We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation, or I guess I should switch that up, covering the Oregon Ducks for Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Uh, Got to make sure I'm saying that right. Um, but yeah, so we are back for another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Hope everyone's having an awesome week. It is Tuesday, July 26th, 2022, as I record this. Um do have uh, a big show in store for you guys today. Going to be talking about the Oregon offensive players that I think are poised to break out in this upcoming season, 2022. But before that, I have a couple other stories, a couple other quick notes that I want to get to because they've occurred since um, since I last recorded. So um, before we get to that, I'm going to go ahead and hit on a couple of these. If you guys are watching live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with us. Make sure you hop in the live chat and uh, join the conversation. If you have a comment or you have a question, definitely throw it in there, and I will do my best to address it on today's show. With that being said, let's hop into today's uh, top stories, You know, kind of the top things I want to talk about Um the most notable update, I want to say, from uh, today, Oregon did update its 2022 football roster ahead of the start of fall camp next week. And one of the biggest updates that we got from that roster is that Adrian Jackson, uh, linebacker for the Ducks, was not included on that updated roster. And uh, he has, in fact, left the program. I uh, was able to talk to someone close to the program today, and they confirmed that for me. Uh, so it is looking like he's going to be moving on. It's not, uh, wasn't really made immediately clear whether or not he's transferring to try to find another home to play college football uh, or um, kind of what, what his next steps are um, because he hasn't come out and um, publicly said anything. Uh, but that was an update from today. Uh, Adrian Jackson signed with the Ducks as a member of the 2018 signing class. However, he was uh, injured for much of his college football career, which was definitely a bummer. I feel, I feel like he was one of those linebackers that was always excited that you were always excited for and kind of hoping he would take that next step uh, in the upcoming season. So that is definitely a significant update. Um, he had um, 
he had moved from outside linebacker to inside linebacker back in spring football. So that was a notable uh, personnel adjustment that the Ducks were making ahead of the 2022 season. But Adrian Jackson uh, has left the Oregon football program and we wish him nothing but the best. Um, another notable update uh, for the, the roster is that uh, punter Tom Snee has announced that he will be um, leaving the Oregon football program as well as stepping away from the Oregon football program to prioritize his mental health. Um, if you guys haven't already, Tom uh, posted a very genuine and, uh, you know, authentic video over on his Instagram where he just talked about how he had been battling mental health since he came to Oregon. Uh, also in that 2018 um, signing class and, and how, um, you know, he's, he's been dealing with depression since uh, 2018. So that is uh, another update. Tom Snee is going to be moving on from the, the program. Really wish him the best uh, and whatever is next for him and all his endeavors. Uh, right. Um, let's see what else we have here. Um, let's see. Another update that we have is the preseason all pack 12 teams were released today on Tuesday and Oregon was very, very well represented landing 13 ducks, uh, with all the pack 12 honors, uh, just kind of going through from the, uh, you know, first team and second team, as well as the honorable mentions. Uh, you had offensive lineman TJ Bass landing on the all pack 12 first team. He was also, um, he's also landed on the Outland Trophy preseason watch list. That's of course awarded to the top interior lineman, um, on either side of the ball. But, uh, TJ Bass has been an absolute stud for the Ducks since he came to Oregon from the Juco level, started in all 14 games in 2021, six at left guard, eight at left tackle and played a team-high 931 offensive snaps from a season ago. So he was really that Iron Man for the Ducks on the offensive line. Uh, let's see. And then he was also Oregon's highest-graded player by Pro Football Focus at 86.0 overall last year. Joining TJ Bass on the preseason All-Pac-12 first team is Alex Forsyth, uh, Oregon's center, and he was also on the Outland Trophy preseason watch list that, again, awarded to the top interior lineman in the country. And then Forsyth was also on the Remington Trophy watch list, awarded to the nation's top center. So definitely those two guys are getting a lot of buzz preseason, and, and deservedly so. Oregon has one of the most um, you know productive and veteran-laden offensive lines uh, in the country, certainly in the Pac-12. Uh, Forsyth, as you'll know, he he battled back spasms for much of last season, but hoping to see him play a full season heading into his final ride here in 2022. But um, those are the two offensive players for Oregon that landed on first team all Pac-12. So let's move on over to the defensive side of the ball where you have defensive end Brandon Dorless landing on the all Pac-12 first team. He was also uh, included on the Bronco Nagurski Trophy preseason watch list. That award given annually to the best defensive player in college football. Brandon Dorless has really um, been a, a main cog in the defensive line for Oregon since coming to Eugene uh, out of Deerfield Beach in Florida in 2019. He was also named to the 2021 Pac-12 All-Conference first team last year. Uh, and I think he's someone that is really going to be poised to 
excel in this new defense. He's one of the most, probably the most athletic guy that they have, uh, you know, along that defensive line, pure defensive lineman on this roster heading into next year. Um, and he also generated 42 total pressures, 33 quarterback hurries, and six quarterback hits. Uh, looking like that stat's probably from his overall career at Oregon, not just last year. Um, the, the press release from Oregon does not specify that one. Um, but staying on defense for the defensive uh, preseason All-Pac-12 first team, you have linebacker Noah Sewell. Uh, of course, you see Noah Sewell landing on this preseason list uh, because he's just the, the best player on, on Oregon's roster heading into next season. He also landed on the Nagurski Trophy preseason watch list um, and as well as the Butkus Award preseason watch list along with Justin Flo. That news came yesterday on Monday. But Noah Sewell has just been a stud since he got to since he got to Oregon in the 2020 class. So looking for him to really have um, what I'm sure he's hoping is the best year of his Oregon career ahead of the 2023 NFL draft. He's looking like the top NFL draft prospect for Oregon heading into this season. And then uh, going down to the second team now, you have Byron Cardwell, who landed on the preseason All-Pac-12 second team. You'll remember that he also found himself on the Doak Walker Award preseason watch list for the best running back in the country. So Byron Carwell is certainly a name to watch, and we just might talk about him a little bit more later on in today's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. A couple more here. Uh, you have linebacker Justin Flo landing on the pack, All-Pac-12 second team preseason. Um, man, there's so, so much hype behind Justin Flo. Um, you'll remember that he was... Uh, he was making his way back from injury in the spring. We thought we might see him in the spring game after he went through some 11 on 11, made some good plays and was really flying around there. But it looks like the staff chose to proceed with caution, um, seeing that, you know, it's just a spring game, but you ultimately want to have him available for the 2022 season. So tons of hype behind Justin Flo. And I'm sure that fans are excited to see him play alongside Noah Sewell uh, in this upcoming season. Camden Lewis. Uh, really consistent kicker for Oregon, landed on the preseason All-Pac-12 second team. And then you also have um, Christian Gonzalez as uh, the preseason All-Pac-12 second team defensive back for Oregon. He's looking like he's gonna they're going to need a lot out of him this year uh, to really anchor that uh, secondary, particularly those cornerback, the cornerback group. Um, so Christian Gonzalez is another one that I think people are expecting a lot from. Certainly uh, with that continuity that he had coming over to Oregon with new cornerbacks coach Demetrius Martin, hopefully that'll help uh, just have some consistency there and uh, really have him be able to step into this plug and play role as the top cornerback on the roster after Mikel Wright uh, announced that he would be, you know, trying his hand at the NFL. Then uh, a handful of uh, honorable mention guys that I just wanted to hit on real quick because that's still notable. Uh, you had defensive lineman Popo Amavai. He's uh, one of the top interior defensive linemen in the Pac-12. Really play in a position that doesn't get a lot of glory, as we know. Um, but when he's firing on all cylinders, that really helps the defense, helps the linebackers fly into those holes and uh, really make some good plays. Defensive back Jamal Hill, also an honorable mention. Um, and then we have Seven McGee. Uh, who was an honorable mention as an all-purpose player and a special team, special teamer. Um, played in 13 of 14 games as a true freshman in 2021 and had uh, 61 rushing yards on 14 carries for a touchdown. And then he caught seven passes for 84 yards 
And he also took over with some return duties after Micah Pittman announced his uh, intent to transfer. And then rounding out the list, you have offensive lineman Ryan Walk, who is an honorable mention, as well as defensive back Bennett Williams, who missed a lot of last season due to a uh, season-ending injury that he suffered prior to the Stanford game on the road in Palo Alto. So with all that being said, let's hop into the main topic of today's show. We're going to be talking about the Oregon players poised to break out on offense in 2022. Let's just set the stage here a little bit. I think we can all agree that last year's offense uh, definitely left a lot to be desired, primarily due to the run-heavy nature of the offense. And then when the Ducks were forced to pass, I feel like their offense had been so one-dimensional last year that a lot of teams just weren't that threatened, frankly, uh, by their passing attack. Um, They do lose a lot of top guys from last year when we're looking at wide receivers specifically. Devin Williams is one that comes to mind. He's he's balling with the Panthers right now as they kick off training camp. He was really solidifying himself as that top wide receiver, walking down that wide receiver one role for Oregon last year. Uh, but then, you know, the, the season, the end of the season came and he decided amid the coaching transition that he wanted to try for the NFL. And as we know, Kayvon Thibodeau was the only player from Oregon selected in the 2022 NFL draft. Um, kind of thought that Devin Williams might have been a guy that some teams could have seen as a late round flyer, seeing that he is so tall and so athletic and has a lot of those physical uh, physical attributes that you're looking for in a wide receiver. But ultimately at the end of the day, when you're looking at it, he didn't have that large of a body of work. And um, in my opinion, I feel like, you know, his, his Oregon career ended, um, you know, I, I feel like he probably wanted to do a lot more at Oregon than he did. Uh, but we also know that, that he lost his mother, you know, I think it was either before the season or during the season. So gotta, you know, gotta be respectful of, uh, you know, the, the personal things that he was, that he had going on. Um, but definitely want to tip my cap to him. So they lose Devin Williams from a year ago. Micah Pittman transfers to Florida State. Jalen Red, uh, he runs out of eligibility. Johnny Johnson also runs out of eligibility. So you find yourself now with one of the younger wide receiver rooms nationally and certainly in the Pac-12. But because of that, you have a lot of guys that you could be asking to do a lot more uh, just this upcoming season in 2022. And I think the first guy that you definitely want to look at is seven McGee who landed on that, uh, preseason all pack 12, uh, honorable mention, uh, that I mentioned just a moment ago, seven McGee has to be someone that I think a lot of duck fans are super excited for. Uh, maybe just because partially because he's been, he had been committed for so long. So this is someone that, you know, just really, really loves the ducks. And how could you not be excited after what we saw from seven McGee in the Oregon spring game? I felt like every time he touched the ball, there was a lot of anticipation with fans. He seems like he's one of those big plays waiting to happen. Kind of a guy Um, can really do a lot, getting it out of the backfield, short passes over the middle. Um, But he can also, you know, get the ball and run for sure. So um, maybe not someone that we see, uh, contributing a whole bunch in the vertical passing game, just because he is a little bit uh, on the smaller side when you're just looking at his frame, certainly compared to some of the other wide receivers on Oregon's roster, right? But uh, he's a shifty guy, quick twitch guy, super, super explosive. Um, definitely hard to get down with with just one tackler, just one defender. But I think Seven McGee probably has to be my player that I'm putting 
at the top. This is in no particular order, but I'm just saying, looking at all the players that Oregon has on its roster heading into this season, um, after we saw last year and then after we have heard from Kenny Dillingham and what he wants to do with this offense, exploiting those one-on-one matchups, right, making it a system that players want to play in, I think that you have to put Seven McGee very, very high on that list of players that could be poised to break out on Oregon's offense in 2022. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to say about Seven. I think he was one of three wide receivers for Oregon that turned in a hundred yard receiving performance um, in uh, in the spring game. So definitely have uh, some, some really positive work to build on heading into this next season. He's going to be wearing number seven this year, uh, which is even cooler. Uh, he also had that phenomenal touchdown grab in the uh, spring game as well when he was matched up one-on-one with Jamal Hill and he kind of had to bobble it in the end zone, but was able to bring down, um, bring down that touchdown. So I think that the expectations and excitement for seven McGee are definitely up there as the ducks get ready for fall camp starting next week. We actually did get an update today from Oregon, uh, saying that, uh, fall camp is going to be beginning on August 5th. Let me just double check my email, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read right before I hopped in here, uh, that, um, yeah, ducks begin fall practice on Friday, August 5th. So we do have a date for fall camp and when the Ducks will be getting back after it on the practice field. So that's something to look forward to without a doubt. So seven McGee is the first one that I'm going to be talking about in today's video. Um, But I also want to just highlight some of these guys in the backfield. Um, And we're going to start with, with Byron Cardwell. Uh, I think that Byron Cardwell really showcased a, lot of what he has to offer uh, coming out of the backfield for the Ducks in 2021. CJ Verdell goes down against Stanford and, and the Ducks needed to turn to somebody to take on a larger workload. We know that Travis Dye really kind of emerged and was ultimately used as that bell cow nearly every down back. But Byron Carwell rushed for, I believe it was around 400 yards and uh, three touchdowns. And I think that his running style is, is one that a lot of people are excited about and, and intrigued by especially running behind this amazing offensive line. I feel like you could put almost all of the, all of the Oregon running backs uh, into this conversation of guys that are ready to break out in 2022. But I want to start with Byron Cardwell because we were just talking about him. And because um, I think a lot of people wondered what could he have done if he had a larger sample size, if maybe he was taking some of those carries over Travis Dye last year. I don't think that that was necessarily a likely outcome just because Travis Dye was the more proven commodity, you know, the more proven player for Oregon last year. But Byron Carwell has a lot to offer to this Oregon offense. And, I, you know, the, he has that build that kind of reminds you of Royce Freeman, right? Uh, 5'10", 5'11", uh, right around 210 pounds, I want to say. Uh, they haven't released any updated weights for uh, Oregon just yet. But um, he he was asked to do a pretty decent amount as a freshman, and and he delivered. And I think that that says a lot about him as a player, both in the skill that he possesses, but also just where he's at mentally, um, because that's a big jump to to make from the high school to the college level is just how you're processing the game, how you're processing your role. A lot of these guys go from being the guy in high school uh, on their team to you know another player in their position room. And Byron Carwell, I think he really showed. Uh, showed out last year as a freshman and a lot of people are thinking that 
he is going to be the new number one back for Oregon. But there's so much, there's going to be so much competition in this running back room, which is why I also wanted to talk about a couple of the new guys that uh, Oregon has brought in to the running back room. Um, and that starting off with, with Marquise Irving, Bucky Irving, uh, it was revealed today in the roster update that Marquise Irving is going to be wearing number zero for Oregon. So I thought that was pretty cool, pretty icy that he's going to be rocking number zero. Um, so Marquise Irving in 2021, he really had an awesome season for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, he ended up totaling 699 rushing yards on 133 carries. Um, Minnesota actually had their top back go down with a season-ending injury early on in the season. So uh, Marquise Irving was uh, was asked to do quite a bit, um, kind of in a, similar to what we were just talking about with Byron Carwell, but he had uh, 200 100 or more rushing yard performances in 2021. And he was just such a highly sought after guy in the transfer portal after he announced that he would be looking for a new home following the 2021 season. I know USC wanted him and uh, a handful of other really, really good schools wanted him. So I think that Marquise Irving might've been one of those under the radar additions that the Ducks were able to get in this running back room. And maybe he flew under the radar because Oregon's running backs room is so talented. I think it says a lot about not only the tradition, that the Oregon running backs have had, but also the recruiting acumen of, of Carlos Laughlin, as well as this new Oregon staff that every year, pretty much no matter what happens, Oregon's running backs room is loaded with talent. Um, I think for the running back position at Oregon, it's a position that is really well known for producing a lot of high level players. I think that Jonathan Stewart's probably that guy that you're seeing uh, had the most success uh, in the NFL of late, but Royce Freeman had an awesome career at Oregon. So did CJ Verdell and Travis Dye set some records before he announced his transfer to USC. DeAnthony Thomas, Thomas Tyner, Kenyon Barner. There's just so many big names that I think a lot of running backs, when they look at Oregon, they look at the success that the guys like that had and they say, you know, I could see myself at Oregon pretty much known for a, as being a run first run heavy offense, but I think in, in Kenny Dillingham's system, we, we've seen some reason to believe why Oregon's going to be a bit more balanced heading into 2022. They were really letting the, the pass rip in, uh, in the spring game. So I think that that'll probably be a little bit more indicative of, of what we see, but maybe that'll be kind of a game-to-game thing, depending on what the defense is, uh, is showing them. But Bucky Irving's a guy that just really did uh, pretty much he – had, he had a lot of impact – more than just running the ball. I think he had almost a thousand all-purpose yards. Uh, he only had 73 receiving yards. Um, you know, didn't make a ton of impact through the air, but he was also asked to return some kicks for Minnesota. And he had eight kick returns for 194 yards um, with a long of 41 yards. And then he was also asked, I believe, did he return punts? He didn't return punts, but... But uh, he had, you know, just about, okay, it was 966 all-purpose yards um, for the Gophers in 2021. So I feel like we're, we're kind of seeing that it's going to be more than likely a two-back system for, uh, for Oregon, or they're at least going to have some kind of a duo. Maybe they'll have, a, you know, a bell cow guy, a go-to guy, and then maybe they'll bring someone in to be a change of pace back 
and then have a third back that's ready to go too. And there's no shortage of options like we've mentioned. So uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really know too much about Bucky Irving when he committed, but as I've done some more research and then talked to some more people, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident that he's going to be someone with a very big role on this Oregon offense in 2022. But staying in that Oregon backfield, uh, we also have to talk about Noah Whittington because Noah Whittington uh, had a pretty strong showing in the Oregon spring game. I remember when we were at Autzen and the players were warming up, we didn't see we didn't see Byron Carwell. He was ultimately he- held out for precautionary reasons, uh, as Dan Lanning said in the post-spring game presser. But I'm not saying it was a good thing that he didn't play, but at the same time, it did give us an opportunity to see some more of these younger backs, to see some Sean Dollars who looked great in the spring game, uh, to see some Noah Whittington who uh, got a lot of snaps as well in the spring game. And I think he had an awesome run around the edge for about 45 yards um, so I think even though he came from a very pass-heavy offense, I think it was the leading passing attack in the country, actually, with Bailey Zappi at uh, Western Kentucky. He's really proven to be a solid addition just from the time that we were able to see him in spring practice. Uh, really packs a punch uh, on the ground game. Runs really, really strong. Um, so I think that, um, not Bucky, sorry, no, Whittington is someone that you have to watch as someone who could absolutely break out for Oregon Uh, in 2022, Um, but another new addition to the roster. So I think maybe people are a little bit more interested in who was on the roster last year that we maybe didn't get to see too much of. And I think now I want to move on to another position on this Oregon roster that I think has a lot of potential to break out. Um, So let's see. But before that, I want to take a quick break and, and see what's up in the comments. We have some some people that have been in the comments asking questions. Andrew says, also, I wouldn't be shocked to see Connerly starting by year's end. He reminds me of Panay more so than Kingsley did. Yeah, Josh Connerly is, is a, he's you know, a recent enrollee. He wasn't with the team for spring football, but he comes to Oregon with, you could argue, just as lofty expectations, just as lofty of expectations as Panay did. Um, And it was crazy that Panay started because he was manning the left tackle spot, which is one of the most important positions on the offensive line, right? You're you're defending the quarterback's blind side um, when you're manning that left tackle spot. So uh, I think it's, I would probably say that I'm I'm thinking we'll see TJ Bass at left tackle, um, when when the season gets started, when things get rocking and rolling against the Bulldogs in Georgia. Um, but it's just another high-profile offensive lineman coming to Oregon. Um, I know people were definitely bummed that we didn't get to see more of Kingsley during his time with the Ducks, but now he's with BYU. Maybe we'll see Kingsley play against Oregon when uh, the Cougars come to town, when Oregon faces BYU, and I believe it is week three of the non-conference schedule, um, or week three of the season. Um, but yeah, I think depending on how the offensive line plays and if, and if Oregon can, can blow some teams out and get some of these freshmen in, you definitely want to utilize those four games, uh, before, uh, you burn a red shirt. So maybe we will see Josh Connerly, uh, make an impact. I feel like from the, from the hall that they signed in 2022, those offensive linemen, stands to reason that Josh Connerly would probably be the guy that's most likely to play the true freshman just because he came in 
so sought after, so highly touted, really, really athletic. Um, but maybe we have to see, you know, how the how the rest of the offensive linemen uh, in the 2022 signing class, how their bodies adjust to the college level, because that is certainly, uh, I think, the position, one of, if not the most important position, to really get your body right uh, for the college level, because I think you can kind of get away with playing a little bit smaller. I'm not saying that Connor Lee's small, but you can get away with playing a little bit undersized, underweight, at the high school level. But once you get to the college level, man, everyone's, you know, pretty big and you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're, you're ready for, uh, you know, whatever they, whatever they have to, uh, to offer you. Let's see. Ducked up for life. Five, four, one is here says Sco ducks. What's going on, everyone. Um, getting around to some of these comments. Had a question from Duct Up for Life. He asks, any updates on any new potential recruits following the Dante Moore commitment? Can't wait to see what Dan Landing and staff can get following a recruit of his caliber and recognition nationwide. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. So I definitely want to address what kind of feels like an elephant in the room for me. But uh, Micah Benuelos, the 2023 offensive lineman out of Kennedy Catholic in Burien, Washington, announced his commitment to Oregon, not to Oregon, sorry, to USC on Monday. And uh, that was a guy that I, I honestly did think was going to end up going to Oregon. But, um, you know, I, I just wanted to put my, you know, put my, uh, my best estimate out there, my best prediction that I could, and you can't win them all. So, um, so Micah ends up going to USC and a, a pretty big win for them. Uh, USC has to feel good after losing out uh, on Josh Connerly to Oregon. Um, so you're kind of seeing things even out a little bit there. Um, but what was interesting about Micah's commitment, I think I might've seen someone commenting it actually. Um, can I find it? Oh, it was Andrew. Andrew was saying, I, um, I know it won't mean much in the grand scheme, but having been willing to pick USC because they're going to the big 10 was kind of a Kind of a kick. Uh, I hope that doesn't become a common refrain. I thought that that was what I wanted to mention. It was kind of interesting for those of you that didn't watch Micah's commitment. Um, he noted that USC going to the Big Ten was kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to say a deal breaker, but it was definitely a huge plus for him and his recruitment because uh, they're going to be getting more exposure, you know, playing big time football. Uh, so we'll see if uh, some of these, you know, recruiting battles, what guys have to say about realignment. It doesn't seem like there's anything super new. I think in a recent show, I talked about how uh, the Pac-12 and Big 12 official merger discussions ended. Um, so maybe we'll actually be able to just focus on football instead of all of this uh, realignment craziness. Um, but as far as potential recruits uh, with, with Oregon, I know one update that we got um, you know, just in the past 24 hours, actually, um, I was able to talk to Bryce Bolton, who is a 2023 offensive lineman out of Palm Desert High School in Southern California. But I was able to talk to him and kind of get a feel for where he's at in his recruitment. That update is uh, in full over on Ducks Digest, so you can definitely go check that out. But Bryce Bolton looks like he uh, was really feeling Oregon. He's going to be making a return trip to Eugene this weekend. Um, and he also told me that it looks like he's kind of winding down in, in his recruitment. Really liked uh, Adrian Clem, called Oregon a dream school, liked the facilities, liked the people up there. So I definitely want to highlight Bryce Bolton as a name to watch for Oregon. 
on the recruiting trail, particularly at the offensive line, right? Because Oregon still doesn't have any offensive linemen in the fold for 2023 yet. Not a reason to panic by any means. Um, but um, with Benuelos going to USC, he's probably going to be, it looks like an interior offensive line guy. Um, I also talked to Bryce and he was saying that he kind of projects as more of an interior guy, guard, center at the next level. He's playing left tackle right now for Palm Desert. But um, but yeah, with, with him, uh, I think that Oregon's in a really good spot after I got to talk to him yesterday. Uh, so you should probably go read that update. And uh, he's a name to keep an eye on for Oregon on the recruiting trail without a doubt. Another one that we want to keep an eye on for Oregon on the recruiting trail, especially in the near future here, is Terrence Green, the 2023 defensive lineman out of Texas. He took his official visit to Oregon in June, and he announced today that uh, he is going to be announcing his commitment. Had previously been scheduled for July 30th, pushed it back a little bit. Now he's going to be uh, now he's going to be announcing his college commitment on August 1st. I feel really good about where Oregon is there. I've talked to him a couple times, uh, as have some other members of my team, and uh, it's all been positive return for Oregon. Um, I think this could be, you know, closely contested with him being a uh, Texas recruit. Um, the Longhorns are going after him. I know that Mario Cristobal and the Canes are going after him. Florida is also in the picture there, uh, as is Michigan State, um, because I'm pretty sure that he took a visit out there. But Terrence Green is another guy that you definitely want to watch. Uh, on the recruiting trail in the near future for Oregon. Um, it looks like they're loading up on some more visitors uh, ahead of this weekend as the recruiting dead period has now ended. So um, that's a good development that they're going to be able to host guys on campus again. Uh, we, we've seen it time and time again how um, people have come out to Oregon and then, you know, it's just, you know, too good to turn down. And uh, I feel like we could definitely see some momentum building for Oregon on the recruiting trail. Um, especially following that Dante Moore commitment. We will have more for you on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. We're going to hop and take a quick ad break for those folks listening on the podcast form. But don't go anywhere. We will have more Oregon football and recruiting talk after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the Duck's Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We are live on YouTube right now at Oregon Football Max Torres. Got some awesome folks hopping in the live chat, getting some good engagement and having some great conversation. In today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, we are talking about the Oregon players that are poised to break out on offense in 2022. And I want to keep on rolling with that in this episode. Uh, so let's talk about the wide receivers. We just talked about the running backs for Oregon. Uh, and the crazy talent that they have there. Byron Carbo looks like a guy who could definitely be in store for a big season after shining in a limited role last year. But now we got to look on the outside to the wide receivers. I talked about Seven McGee earlier in this episode. Uh, I think he's someone that has a lot of Oregon fans excited. I bet Kenny Dillingham, Junior Adams uh, are really excited. Maybe Carlos Laughlin even wants to get involved a little bit there. Maybe we'll see him lineup as a running back and coming out of the backfield a little bit more. But the next guy that I want to talk about in this episode as a player that can break out, Dante Thornton. How can we make an episode like this and not talk about Dante Thornton? Dante had so much hype coming into Oregon. Um, didn't see a ton of playing time. Didn't see a ton of snaps as a true freshman last year. Um, but we did see him get some more playing time after Johnny Johnson and uh, Jalen Red got hurt. Um, and I think he did pretty solid in the amount of time that we saw him. I mean, the guy took his first college touch to the house uh, against Stony Brook and, uh, you know, just a, a catch and run, outrun the, outran the entire defense. Um, and I think he, he has a lot of people excited. So 14 games played for Dante Thornton as a true freshman for Oregon in 2021. Only had nine catches, but he had 175 yards for two touchdowns and averaged 12.5 yards per catch. So I think that bodes well for him to potentially emerge as a top deep threat option for Oregon uh, moving on into 2022, we saw him in spring football and he was another one of those wide receivers. I've talked about seven McGee earlier that had a hundred yard receiving performance in the spring game. Again, it's just the spring game, but I know he put on a lot of weight, um, or a decent amount of weight. I think it was, you know, eight to 10 pounds of muscle and you could see it visibly when we were out there at spring practice and we were talking to Dante in the press conferences, you could visibly see it on his arms, getting more defined. And I think he wants to play a more aggressive brand of football. 
uh, doesn't want to just be known as a deep threat guy, but I think he also kind of wants to become one of those just throw it up guys to a degree. Not solely that, but I think he just wants to establish himself more. Uh, if I'm Dante Thornton, I'm going into this season saying this thing is wide open. This receiver room is wide open. There's no reason that I can't establish myself as a top contributor in this wide receiver room. Uh, he came to Oregon with uh, a lot of praise for his speed. Uh, I think that's what makes him so unique. I remember when I was talking to safety Damon David uh, as a recruit um, because they're both from the Baltimore area. And and I was asking him about Dante and, and uh, Damon just said, you know, that's a six, five dude that can run. And I think we're seeing that be more and more common of a weapon in today's college football offenses you want to you want tall long lengthy wide receivers um but you don't want them you know only able to make an impact with with that aspect of the game you want them to have a great catch radius but you also want them to have that speed so that they can stretch the field and that's what Oregon's offense lacked so much last year was a vertical passing attack and Dante is one of those guys that is going to be able to come in here and really help Oregon stretch the field help whoever ends up being quarterback it's looking like Bo Nix um, looks like it's going to be able to help them stretch the field. I think that he um, he's really emerged as a leader. That was kind of a common refrain from spring practice, right? That uh, Dante was kind of just taking it upon himself. You know, even though I'm a younger guy, I don't think that that has to prevent me from from being a leader because that Oregon receiver room is, is pretty young now. Uh, Chase Coda and, and Isaiah Crocker are the oldest guys on that room in that room at that position, but. Put Dante Thornton up there as one of the guys that I think can really break out for this Oregon offense in 2022 after uh, you know the season that he had last year where he, he wasn't starting. But if he does start this year, I think he could take a big step forward for the Ducks. One guy that I didn't include on this list because I honestly kind of think he already broke out a bit is Chris Hudson. Chris Hudson is one of the more experienced wide receivers for Oregon. I believe he was the only wide receiver that the Ducks signed in 2020 but I think his games down the stretch in you know, the first Utah game, uh, the, the Pac-12 championship game, and then the Alamo Bowl, I think he's really solidified himself as a, 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 a good contributor for this Oregon offense moving forward. So you could include Chris Hudson, but I'm trying to kind of focus, focus more on the guys that maybe weren't as involved last year or some of the new names, new additions that we saw for this roster. So moving on to our next breakout candidate, I'm going to go with Chase Coda. Wide receiver comes over from UCLA. Hard to write a better story about Chase Coda, right? Uh, he's from Medford, an in-state guy, played his ball at South Medford High, uh, class of 2018, spent three se- sorry, spent four seasons at UCLA. I think he, he probably would tell you that, you know, he wished he could have done a little bit better at UCLA. In uh, 2021, he caught 18 passes for 286 yards and just one touchdown. But if you watched him in the spring game, I think he just he didn't he would strike you as a guy that you know only had that much production at UCLA. I think UCLA obviously had Kyle Phillips. He was a really electric option for Chip Kelly and Dorian Thompson Robinson, Greg Dulcich as well. Uh, US UCLA liked to use their tight ends quite a bit, and they had an awesome running back. Uh, tandem last year with Jack, Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown. So um, it seemed like they were kind of more run heavy. Um, but Chase Cota came to Oregon and he just stepped right in and looks like he's going to establish himself as a top pass catcher, a top threat in the wide receiver in the passing game 
for Oregon. Uh, I remember I was talking to Ryan Winter, my guy, Sports Chat 503. I know a lot of you guys probably watch him as well. And he was telling me after the spring game that he feels like Chase Coe is going to be a guy that can catch a lot of balls and convert a lot of third downs for Oregon. Chase Coda, uh, last year he was listed on the UCLA roster at 6'3", 209. Really athletic guy. Um, I think that he could play very well into uh, Bo Nix's you know, style as a quarterback because I think what Bo does, one of the things that Bo does really well, he may not always be the most accurate passer that you're going to find, but he'll put the ball in a place where his guy can go up and make a play. And with all the length that Oregon has at wide receiver this year, and all the tight ends that they have, I think that Chase Coda is someone that could really benefit from that, as well as Dante Thornton and maybe some tight ends that I'm going to talk about here. But um, just for Chase Coda's story, you know, coming back to his home state, he's an Oregon legacy um, after Chad Coda played here. I think that um, that it'll be really fun to see what Chase Coda can do, um, and I think he's going to emerge as, as a top receiver threat for this Oregon offense under Kenny Dillingham. I think another person that you have to talk about as someone who could make a breakout, have a breakout season on offense, we got to talk about the tight end room. I think Cam McCormick, he he's shown that he, you know, has had flashes of greatness at Oregon, but man, that dude's just battled some terrible injury luck. Um, but I think after what we've seen in the spring game and from last season, I'm going to go with Terrence Ferguson. Uh, he's going to be a sophomore tight end, came to Oregon in that record-setting 2021 recruiting class. But again, because of the run-heavy nature of last year's offense, we just didn't get to see that much from him through the air. And I think that that's really what he kind of hung his hat on as a recruit coming out of, of high school. Uh, he was someone that was definitely more than capable of you know putting it, sticking his nose in there and, and blocking in the, in the ground game. But I thought he was a really awesome pass catcher for a guy of his size. You know, I think he was 6'4", 6'6", around the 250-pound mark. Uh, I remember seeing him and Maliki Matavau in fall camp last year sitting next to each other, and those might have been the two guys more so than anybody else on the team where I was just kind of taken aback saying, whoa, these guys are freshmen? Like, they are just massive human beings. Um, I think that I saw a picture of the two of them next to each other, and one of them uh, tagged uh, you know, captioned it twin towers. So these are just massive individuals. Terrence Ferguson, I feel like is one of the most athletic tight ends in that room. And, um, I don't think I'm the only one that is, uh, you know, pretty high on him going into the 2022 season. Main reason behind that is because the dude landed on the John Mackey award watch list, uh, for the nation's top tight end. So just because the tight ends were another group that was so underutilized, I just feel like the versatility that they bring to the table is such a valuable asset for any offense. Um, if, if we can see them get more involved, um, both in the short, intermediate, and heck, even maybe the long game a little bit, I think we could really see a little bit more uh, just of a, a better balanced attack and then a more lethal passing attack. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't want to only highlight him as a guy who could break out for the tight ends. Um, I think that Patrick Herbert certainly has to be someone that you have your eye on if you're a Duck fan, right? Another guy who's just really had some some uh, you know bad luck when it comes to injuries, but he was pretty highly touted as a recruit in his own right. He's been at Oregon since 2019, obviously the younger brother of Justin Herbert, but this is a guy that definitely wants to leave his own mark on the Oregon football program. And uh, I think he maybe gets forgotten about a little bit when we're talking about the tight end room. Uh, so Patrick Herbert is a guy you have to watch out for. 
Cam McCormick is back with the Ducks for another season. Terrell Tillman, actually, formerly uh, an outside linebacker for Oregon and that updated Oregon football roster. We saw him listed as a tight end, so maybe he'll get involved a little bit uh, at the tight end spot this year. Um, but Terrence Ferguson and Maliki Matavau definitely played a lot of football and for a good reason last year. They got to Oregon. They were both early enrollees, and they wasted no time making an impact for the Ducks. Um, I think there was a comment. It's not showing up now, um, but there was a comment that I saw before um, the um, before the live stream started, and someone say someone said, "Would it be crazy if we said Bo Nix or Ty Thompson?" And I was reading that, and I was kind of thinking to myself. I don't think it is that crazy. Obviously, Bo Nix has already played a lot of college football, but if, if Ty Thompson gets some good playing time, if he wins the starting job or Jay Butterfield gets some, some good playing time, uh, I think that you could really just put Oregon, Oregon quarterback position as a position that could really be poised to break out in 2022 just because of uh, kind of the breath of fresh air it feels like that this offense is going to have uh, in 2022. Um we just saw that the play calling, I think, combined with Anthony Brown's limit limitations as a passer just really resulted in a lot of dry games. I feel like if every game could look like that Oregon State game for Anthony Brown, then you know, that would be awesome. But to his credit, I think that he did play really well against Ohio State. Uh, the fact that he was able to just keep a solid head on his shoulders and, and keep those guys composed. Uh, in a really, really hostile environment. You know, if you guys haven't been out to the shoe in Columbus, it is as about as tough a place to play as you will find in the country for college football. So I really feel like you could put the Oregon quarterback position just in general, whoever ends up being quarterback for Oregon uh, this season as a position that could really, you know, be poised to break out on offense in 2022. We're going to be winding down here in a little bit, you guys. So if you have any last minute comments or questions, I would love to answer them. Go ahead and throw those in the live chat for me. Um, but I think that Oregon's offense is, is going to be a, a much more balanced unit. Um, I kind of still feel like I want to see them be a run first team because I think that's kind of what Oregon has hung its hat on for quite a while now. Uh, I've talked in previous episodes about how uh, Utah was actually the, the leading rushing attack in the Pac-12 last year. And I think that that's a, a mark that Oregon finished third or fourth in. But, um, you know, Carlos Lachlan, he's got to be one in that that uh, you know, that distinction as the best running team in the Pac-12. And they have the, the players to do it, both in the running back room as well as along the offensive line. Just so many guys coming back there. Um, you have TJ Bass. Uh, you have Ryan Walk, Alex Forsyth, Stephen Jones, Molly Sala, Amavai Laulu. And another guy that we're probably not talking about enough is Dawson Jeremillo. Uh, he he really shined in, in his uh, in his involvement last year for the Oregon offense. I know he played a lot of really big snaps for Oregon against Ohio State, um, and I think there were just definitely some instances where they they def they didn't really need to rotate him in. But he might be a guy that we're not talking about enough uh, in the offensive line room uh, along the offensive line rather for the Ducks. Um, maybe we'll see some more of these other guys. I don't think that they would fall under the breakout, um, you know, distinction, but just seeing them get a little bit more involved, Faope Laulu, I think he was someone that uh, he's really transformed his body since he got to Oregon. I want to say he was like in the high, high 300s 
when he first came onto my radar as a recruit, ultimately ended up signing with Oregon. And we haven't seen him play a whole bunch uh, since he got to Oregon, but maybe he'll be able to carve out a little bit more of a significant role this upcoming season. Um, we talked about Josh Connerly. Marcus Harper is another guy that I think could definitely see some some more playing time this year. Um, I know that you're you're definitely hoping if uh, you're this Oregon coaching staff that Alex Forsyth is ready to go after he battled uh, back spasms last year. But I know Marcus Harper was a guy that the previous staff would uh, was very uh, confident about if uh, if they needed him to snap because Ryan Walk moved over when uh, Forsyth was was battling those back spasms. What's up, Ruben? What's going on? Uh, Ruben, great job. I love the content. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, he was also asking, um, what about Jackson Powers Johnson? Yeah, Jackson Powers Johnson, he played the most out of any freshman offensive lineman for the Ducks last year. Um, he got a little bit dinged up uh, last year, but he overall he was very consistent and he was pretty much available the entire season. Um, but I think with that, with the roster that we saw today, he's still listed as an offensive lineman slash defensive lineman. Um, I'm wondering where they're going to find a greater need for Jackson powers. Johnson in 2022, um, did, did, you know, play perform admirably in the Alamo bowl, um, and throughout spring ball, but throughout spring ball, we actually saw him bouncing back and forth between both sides of the ball. So I'm going to be very curious to see where they ultimately need him. I don't think that you necessarily have a bigger need on one side of the ball or the other for him, but maybe you, maybe you can rotate more guys in on the defensive line versus on the offensive line. I think you want to have more of that continuity. Um, and I know that Adrian Clem said that in spring ball, that was actually something that really stuck out to me was that he was saying he really believed in that continuity and the value that it has of just having those same consistent guys, those same five guys for an offense. I think that's really big. Christopher says, Max, I'm just hoping that Patrick and Justin can stay healthy, but I think that Jordan James will end up being the top back with Cardwell. Okay. Yeah. Jordan James, the freshman running back coming over from Tennessee. Uh, he's one of those, uh, if you want to call it late arrivals, but not really late. Uh, he just came here in the summer, came to Eugene in the summer. Um, but maybe we could see him uh, really have a large role as a freshman. And I think a reason that you could you know, make that argument is that um, running back is a position where you see a lot of young guys play early. Uh, it's, I don't think it has necessarily as many of the intricacies or the growing pains that you see with some of these other positions on the football field. But uh, Christopher's comment also says, hoping that Patrick and Justin can stay healthy. I'm thinking we're talking about Patrick Herbert and then Justin Flo. Um if you guys don't follow Justin Flo on Instagram, that dude has been absolutely shredded uh, in the pictures that he's been posting lately. Um, I know that he posted a picture uh, after the, the team went on the, the hike um, to Spencer's Butte, which I think they actually said is going to be a new tradition that they do every year to, to honor Spencer Webb going up to Spencer's Butte. So that was really cool. But um, I know that Justin Flo posted some pictures uh, just, you know, flexing with his teammates at the top of the, at the top of the hike. And that was just, man, it makes you want to just see that guy in some pads doing some damage for Oregon's defense sooner than later, but we're just over a month out, uh, going to be heading to LA actually in a couple days here, uh, to cover pac media day for Oregon. I'm going to have a couple of my other, uh, writers that are with me. So I'm very, very excited for that. Um, but it should be a fun time and, and Oregon football is, is really upon us. I mean, we've made it through the off season. 
uh, whether it feels like it or not. But that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, you guys. A big thank you to all of you who showed up in the live chat and the live stream. And uh, thank you for your continued support of the channel. If you guys can do me a huge favor, just take a couple seconds out of your day, smash the like button and smash the subscribe button. Uh, make sure you turn on, hit that notification bell so that you don't miss uh, future live streams. And um, also make sure that you share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, other Duck fans. We are just trying to grow the community here on the Ducks Dish podcast. And it is just such a great time. So That'll do it for this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with us, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.